evening? How's camp been for you so far? Well, maybe a little tired, but it's been supernatural. Uh, how many lives were just touched by what we witnessed last night? That was just incredible. Praise our God. Well, let's sing this. We're going to worship the Lord. We have several specials we'd like to get to, and most of all, we just want to leave time for the ministry of the Word. So let's enter right in. Don't wait on me to usher you in. Let's all just enter in together, and we'll just have a time this evening. Amen. You, O Lord.
abundantly all we can even ask or think. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Brother Victor Adamora, would you come please open the service in a word of prayer? Amen. How many still have a need on your heart that you just like God to see this evening? Amen. He's still here. He's still working. We serve a miracle working God. We've already witnessed it. What we witnessed last night was a miracle. And I came out with comments that had been on my heart for days. And we sang a song in line with what God had for us. A song that was in God's mind when he gave it to me all those years ago. That's a miracle. We serve an eternal God who's so mindful of each one of us. Amen. So may God meet your need this evening. Would you come please, Brother Victor? House of praise, house of worship. I just want to say something before we pray. That if you feel a pull on your heart to worship, worship. In the middle of the service, at the beginning of the service, if you feel to worship, worship. Because in worship is your deliverance. In worship is your is all you have need of is when you worship. Because the Bible says he dwells in the praises of his people. So let's worship the Lord together tonight. Lord, we come before you in praise and worship, Lord. Lord, we are the most privileged people on the face of the earth, Lord, to be gathered together under the message of this hour, Lord. Lord, not just a message by any man, but, Father, a message that you've vindicated and proved time and time again. You've made real to us, Lord. You've shown yourself, Lord, in many signs and wonders, Father. In promises you've made, you've made yourself more real, Father. In the revealing of your scriptures, Father, you made yourself more real, Father. And we look around at the lives and the testimonies in the room tonight. And we can say from the bottom of our hearts, Lord, that you are real, Father. You're not a myth. You're not a figment of our imagination, Father. But Lord, you're a real and living God. So, Father, as Brother Andrews preached that you are here and you're present, Father. Then, Father, we want to worship you tonight. We want to give you praise and give you glory, Father. For, Lord, if you are here, Father, then the impossible is answered, Lord. Everything we have need of is in the room tonight because he's praying, preached, Father. So, Lord, we claim every promise. Every promise in the book is mine, Father. From healing, O oh God, to deliverance, His Father. It belongs to the pride of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we take your word by faith tonight, Lord. We lay hold of your promise, O oh God. Lord, before the preacher even comes, Father. Lord, you can move upon our needs. You can move upon our requests, Father. By faith, we lay hold of it tonight, Father. So, Lord, we give you praise while we wait. We worship while we wait, Father. Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight, Lord. To say, Abba, Father. Our Father, we glorify your holy name, Lord. Would you move in a mighty way tonight, Father? The man of God, he's laid himself aside. Put his thoughts aside. Lord, he's left his family back in West Virginia. Father, his wife and his little baby Malachi, Father. To come here, to minister to us, Father. To speak words that you place upon his heart. Lord, we pray that the expectation, the bank of faith will be raised so high, Lord. That we'll pull on the gift tonight, Lord. Father, take away every restriction. Take away every barrier. Take away every wall of petition. Father, every hindrance in the service tonight. We pray, oh God, that you would tear it down. That we can be free in the presence of Almighty God. For 
Lord, if we don't praise, the rocks will cry out, Father. And ain't no rock gonna take my praise. Father, ain't nobody gonna take my praise. So, Father, we give you praise tonight and glory and adoration. Father, we find in the scriptures that when the people began to praise, Father, the walls of Jericho fell down. When they began to praise, Father, the Bible said he sent ambushments against the enemy, Father. Lord, we give you praise tonight, Father. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. There is no other than you, Father. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Father. And we give you glory, Father. Lord, not a lip service, but a heart service. Father, not in our lips or in our mind, but down in our soul. It's been redeemed before the foundation of the world. And we give you praise and we give you glory, Father. We humble ourselves tonight in your presence, God. We lay aside our pride, our ego, our thoughts, our ideas to come, Father, into your presence. To receive from you, Lord. Father, as Brother Tom so wonderfully said, Lord, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Next week is not guaranteed. Father, the Bible says life is but a vapor. But Father, while we're here tonight, we want to give you praise and glory. We want to give 110% to the service. We're withholding nothing, as the song says. Not holding back, Father, but giving our all to the kingdom of God. Father, if there's any here that's unsaved or need an experience, Lord, would you go by their way tonight, Father? And he's sitting on the fence, Lord Jesus. Pass by their way tonight, Father. Lord, you're here. So the miraculous is here, Lord. We commit the service to you tonight, Lord. The song service, the preaching of the word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, have the preeminence. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. As you have your seats. Sister Anna Hope, would you like to just come right away next time, please, if you'd like to come and sing your song. Amen. We want to welcome you all into the house of the Lord this evening. Just trust that we'll continue right on where we left off last night. A wonderful testimony this morning. God has been good to us. Amen. If he never does anything else for us, he's done enough for us to love him, to serve him, to praise him, to give him thanks for what he's done for us. Amen. But you know what? The greatest thing is there's even more. We're here. So there's more for us. Praise the Lord. Strand of hope. Pray that the fear inside 
sisters, if they would come and sing for us, maybe as they do, let's just sing that chorus. In Jesus' name we press on as they come and get ready now at this time.
try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand I start to fall And all those lonely roads that I've traveled on There was Jesus
Jesus. Amen. Sister Carrie, Sister Ava, Sister Charity, would you like to come at this time and we'll have your song. This is the song I had hoped to do with the choir, but we just ran out of time and you can go ahead and come right on up. It's all right. Um, we ran out of time, so we have the lyrics and a lot of you know it, so you can just join along and sing with us and we're just going to worship the Lord together with our sisters.
the great exchange, amen, to the cross of Calvary as he gave himself for you and I. What an exchange that was. If that could become reality tonight, that he forfeited and gave up all of glory, every aspect of it, just for you and me. That would change completely, I think, your whole, our whole, your whole world and just your whole outlook and how you even see and praise him, actually. Your worship changes when you realize, oh my, Brother Sam, he actually did that just for you. That's it. Just for, even for just you, he emptied glory. Isn't that incredible? And man, it becomes so personal. Just me, Sister Gwyneth, just you. This service is here for just you. He ordained a minister, a preacher, Brother Andrew, to come at this night, tonight, for just you. Because something he had in God's mind for this moment tonight. And he's been working and he's been massaging through the moments of time to come to this place for this specific hour. To bring a word last night, to bring a devotion this morning so that your heart would be would be focused in such a way so that the word tonight would hit a specific place. Just think of the moment of time you're in right now. If you could just really just focus in that way. It's for just right now. God has something special for us tonight. Amen. Are you ready to receive from him? Amen. So my brother Andrew doesn't need any more introduction other than thank you so much for brother for last night, Brother Andrew. And we are just so expecting him and the Lord to move tonight in a mighty great way. We can just sing that again. Brother Andrew comes to the pulpit. Amen. I'll prick ourselves tonight. We have all night. Maybe we'll just fulfill scripture and go all the way into the morning. I did that in Uganda, all the way in the morning. So I thought, hey, I, I fulfilled scripture there. We just worshiped and praised all the way in the morning. Maybe we do that tonight. You never know. The Lord can come down. And I, I've been praying. I told the brothers at the back. I said my prayer for a camp. I said, Lord, would you come in an unusual way? And I pray tonight for each one of you. He would just come in an unusual, not, not what you expect. Oh, we're coming. This is Saturday night camp. Mm-mm. May he come in an unusual way. Upset your apple cart tonight. Completely turn your life upside down tonight. So that you would be like you heard this morning. A broken pot that was mended, healed. And 40 plus years later is standing testifying to you that the God you heard last night is living today. And he can hold and he can keep and he can save and he can deliver. All tonight all over again for you. Amen? Let's just sing as Baranju comes. Jesus my place in divine exchange believers here tonight that is witnessing in this great exchange the prophet of God I love how he says it uh, he said we're thankful to be living in the hour he said when the son of man is revealing himself he said in the hour where he's taken our sickness and given us healing in the stead of sickness he's taken our sorrow and given us joy in the stead of sorrow and I believe here tonight that he's here to amen do that for each and every one of us here tonight amen I wonder do you know that song open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. Do you know that? 
pour your spirit out, one of those. Do you know those? Let's just sing that if that'd be okay. How many say, Lord, I'm thirsty tonight for your spirit? Amen. I believe he's here to pour his spirit out upon us. There's nothing that'll refresh us like his spirit. Amen. Would you help us sing that tonight? Just make this your prayer this evening. Oh, yes. We need your touch. We need him tonight, young people. Father, truly that is our desire here this evening. Lord, we have not gathered here to be seen or to be heard. We've not gathered here for a performance or for a show. Lord, we have gathered here that the windows of heaven would break open tonight. And Father, from the front of this auditorium to the back of this room, that your Shekinah glory would fill this building. Lord, we know that there is a great warfare, as your prophet said, going on right now between right and wrong. He said, between the Word of God and modern theology, and he said, the devil's doing everything he can to beset the Word of God and to hinder it from coming to your children. But he says, one is the majority in the Lord. So tonight, Father, as I look across this building, there is more than just, Lord, one here tonight. But if there was only one here, Lord, one believer under the anointing of the Holy Ghost could, Lord, could break out into a sphere and could bring an atmosphere in this building, Lord. Father, I believe there's an atmosphere by the Word where missing limbs can be restored to bodies. 
I believe there's an atmosphere by the word where miracles can take place while the word is being preached. Now, Father, we come together tonight in one mind and one accord. We step behind this sacred desk, Lord, under commission of the presence of Jesus Christ to declare this message that you have sent into this generation. And, Father, as we join our faith together, we say, Satan, take every one of your demons and go back to the hell that you come out of. You have no power. You have no authority. You have no abilities in this room tonight. Lord, as your word goes forth, may you bring inspiration. May you bring anointing, Father. Lord, may you bring, Lord, more than just an amen or just an echo of someone someone else has said. But, Lord, may there be a response, Father. May there may there be a response of faith, a response of action here tonight. Lord, for our sick, may you heal them tonight, dear God. For our, our those that are bound, may you set them free tonight, Lord. For those that have confusions, Lord. For those that are dealing with the situations that's trying to destroy them. Father, may they hear your word say tonight, it's over in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we commit this meeting to thy faithful hands. Now, Lord, you come and be the honored guest among us. Lord, you come. Lord, you come tonight, Father. Lord, if there be one heart here that's still broken, Lord, it's not too late. If there be one heart that is still in two pieces, it's not too late. Father, for the for the grace and the glue of God to put that heart back together and set it into service, Lord. We love you tonight, Jesus. We honor your presence among us. In the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all the believers says, Amen and amen. amen. God bless you this evening. We greet you in the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we want to turn to the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. I have a few places I want to read with you tonight. Amen. We want to say God bless you this afternoon. And I know it's been a tremendous day. Amen. I tell you, we want to thank you, Brother Tom, for opening your heart this morning and sharing your testimony. I told somebody today, I said, that could very well be called my life story. Amen. Amen. To hear a man of God that has been through some trials and is not just preaching about a God, but he's experienced that God. And we sure appreciate Brother Tom. And again, we thank you all for the opportunity to be here in appreciation. And we want to be sure tonight and greet you for our pastor, Brother Sean Martin, and the saints there at home, uh, Faith Tabernacle. I know Brother Sean's praying for these meetings, and we sure appreciate our pastor, a man of God who's taken a stand for this message and preaches it with all of his heart. And I say thank God for every man of God that's preaching this message. Amen. Amen. The book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. And I want to look in the 10th verse. Amen. I feel like there's victory in the room tonight. Amen. Amen. I don't feel like it. I know it. <laughs> when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. and Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now just uh, take a moment and calculate in your mind that statement. It would have been better for us to die in Egypt under taskmasters and bondage, corruption, all kinds of awful things. That was the mindset, but what brought the mindset on was the trial they were going through. He said, see, it would have been better for us to die in the wilderness but Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, and stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which ye shall show to you today. 
For the Egyptians whom you see today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and he and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Amen. But speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. I, I love that part of verse 13. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, I also want to look in the book of Isaiah, the 35th chapter. Isaiah, uh, the 35th chapter. And I want to uh, read some scriptures to you from there. Amen. I love uh, reading Isaiah 35 because it's more than just a scripture. It's a powerful promise. Amen. It's speaking of the joyful uh, flourishing of the kingdom of Christ. And I believe I'm speaking to a part of that kingdom here tonight. In Isaiah 35 and verse 1. Now, if you're discouraged or if you're depressed or you're tore up, I don't know how we could get done reading this chapter and you remain in that same condition. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and the blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall, now notice this, they shall see the glory of the Lord. They shall see the glory of the Lord. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not, for behold, your God will come with vengeance, even with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out. In the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes and there shall be a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called and the way of holiness the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for those the wayfaring men though fools shall not err therein no lion shall be there nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon it shall not be found there but the redeemed shall walk there. Amen. <laughs> How many redeemed of the Lord do we have here? The redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. Amen. Sorrow and sign shall flee away. I also want to read one place with you and we'll give you our subject and let you be seated. Romans the 8th chapter. Romans, the 8th chapter, amen, and the 17th verse. I believe what Exodus tells us, you're going to see the salvation. I believe what Isaiah tells us, you're going to see the glory of God and the excellency of God. And then we come to Paul here in Romans eight seventeen, And he says, if we're children, then we're heirs and we're heirs of God. And we're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. Somebody say suffer. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Somebody say glorified together. If we suffer with him, we'll be glorified together. Notice what he says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
amen, there's going to be a revealing of the glory of God in us. Amen. We ask the Lord this evening to bless the reading of his word as you can be seated here this afternoon. How many thanks God for the reading of the word of God? Amen. Amen. I believe the word is true and I believe it's inspired. Amen. Now from those verses tonight, I want to speak to you on see the suffering, see the glory by vision. See the suffering, see the glory by vision. I was just hearing the prophet of God in a message called the resurrection of Jesus, 1956. He said, now tomorrow night or the Lord will and one night before I leave, he said, I would like to speak on the infallibility of the word of God. And if people can ever get placed and their faith centered, not upon present situations, but upon what God has said about it. And if you can remember that no matter what comes, no matter what goes or how possible it seems to be. Amen. Yet God's word will take its place every time. No matter how impossible, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter what seems to be, the word of God will take its place every time. In the face of every difficulty, he says nothing, nothing can take its place. He said it has preeminence. The word has preeminence because it's none other than God himself in the spoken word and it has to come to pass. Amen. I love that to think tonight that we're living in a time amen we're in this meeting that feelings do not have preeminence. Amen. Amen. Sensations or emotions or ideas or dreams or visions or or anything but the thing that has the preeminence among us amen is the word. Let me let me say it to you like this. The word must have the preeminence. Amen. The prophet said it doesn't make any difference what anything says. Amen. The word of God has preeminence in my heart. Amen. And that's right and I want what God's got for me if there's anything more he says open heaven Lord cause my heart is open for it amen I believe God last night did some healing I, I believe God healed some hearts last night and the reason I believe God healed those hearts is because God has got a blessing to put on the inside amen of that heart that has been healed amen the heart has been healed and now the heart is ready to receive amen the promise that God said would be in the heart once the heart had been healed he said another place, I believe we're now at the time, amen, that the word should have preeminence. I believe the time has come to lay aside our creeds and lay aside our faults, amen, and come back to the word. Now, when the word has preeminence in your heart, amen, then it causes you to look at things different. Amen, when the word has the preeminence in your heart, it will cause you to look at things differently. It'll cause you to look at things through the word. Now, you know right now, for, for probably nearly a year now, amen, there's been a war between Russia and Ukraine, right? Amen. When it first started, everybody was thinking, what's going to happen? What's coming next? Amen. And before long, you start hearing things about bomb threats and this and that. Amen. And because of the way you're looking at it through the eyes of the news or through the through the literature of a newspaper, it will actually begin to change the way you're acting. See, amen, you'll begin to build bomb shelters and you'll, you'll come on now, you'll begin to, amen, prepare for doomsday and all kinds of things. Amen. Because you're looking at the present situation. Amen. By the way, everybody else is looking at it. Amen. But God did not send you a prophet. Amen. To continue your vision in the direction of the way the world is looking at things. Amen. While the world is looking at what's going on over there. Amen. There's a bride who is looking at what a prophet said. And he said before one bomb ever hits this nation, there will be a bride who will be seated. Amen. At the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. I don't know how else to say it. Amen. But there ain't a bomb 
big enough to destroy this bride. There ain't a threat big enough or strong enough. Amen. Or backed up with enough government force. Amen. To destroy this bride. She has not been anointed to come into Laodicea and to be destroyed by the devices and the, and the pressures and the troubles of this age. Amen. But God has sent a word in this generation and it's a word of deliverance. It's a word of restoration. It's a word that'll change your focus. Listen, man wants you to look at God. Amen. Man wants you to look at what God is trying to show you on the basis of his own idea about it. But God is trying to show you something, but the man wants you to accept it the way he looks at it. Amen. Listen, we cannot accept, amen, the way a man looks at the things of God. We cannot accept the way the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Charismatics or whoever, amen, is looking at the things of God. We have been sent a spirit of truth in this age, according to John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, amen, he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Listen, and he will show you things to come. When the spirit of truth comes in the church, he will show you things that is to come. Brother Bram says in a guide, he says, in other words, he'll be the one that will reveal the thing you see. So you see something, but you don't have a revelation of what you're seeing. You're looking at something, but you don't have a revelation of what you're looking at. Amen. But if a God comes on the scene. Amen. Then a guide can change it. Amen. From just an unidentified object into identified object. Now, I find it very amazing that a guide does two things. Amen. The first thing a guide does is a guide leads and the second thing a guide does is a guide enlightens, right? A guide will lead you. Amen. But a guide will also enlighten you. You, you ever go in a museum? Anybody everybody uh, been in a museum before? Amen. Two of you. Three. You, you've been in a museum. Okay. So you go in a museum, amen, there's all kinds of little writings and there's there's things, amen I, I remember a few years ago we were down in Gatlinburg and we went in what's called the crime museum, it's a it's an interesting thing if you ever get to see it, so we go in there and we're with brother Joe Green and his family and my wife and we walk in there and as we walk in, they hand you a little audio box with some headphones, amen and you put these headphones on and you carry this thing around, now as you walk through there, amen, you're going to see this and you're going to see that and you're going to see that amen, and as you see it, amen, you're looking at it but you don't understand it amen but when you press that button on that machine amen a voice will begin to speak to you and the voice will begin to tell you what you're looking at listen you can look at it but if there's not a voice to identify it and to tell you what you're looking at amen you're wasting your time amen remember Abraham said over there in, in England or France he said there was John Sproul he said he went over there to see the great monument of Christ listen there was a God brother John that led him there there was a God that brought him amen to the foot of that statue but as he was looking at it he was saying I don't see why everybody comes to see this I don't see why everybody says brother Branham said I don't see why everybody shouts and rejoices and praises God I don't understand what's the attraction here brother Branham said there was a guy there that said John do you see that altar he said yes sir he said you're looking at the statue wrong he said if you're going to see the benefit or the value of the statue you've got to change the way you're looking at it he said when 
when he saw that altar, he said, kneel down there. Instead of looking down upon it, he said, get down and look up at it. Listen, and when he changed the way he was looking at it, it changed the influence it was having upon him. And the reason why the message may not be influencing you like it is somebody else is because you're not looking at it as the absolute. You're not looking at it as rapture and faith. You're looking at it as some man out of the hills of Kentucky that had a few good things to say. But I say this message is the spirit of truth. It's the power of God unto salvation. It is the announcement of the shout of the king in the camp. It is the voice of resurrection. It is the shout of 1 Thessalonians 4. It is the voice of 1 Thessalonians 4. It's the trump of God. Listen, if you're going to get a benefit out of this meeting, you've got to change the way you're looking at it. If you're looking at this as just another service, then that's exactly what it's going to be. If you're looking at me as just another preacher, then that's exactly what you're going to receive. But if you can get your eyes open and see this is not just another camp. This is not just another service. I'm not just another preacher. But this is a moment that Almighty God has ordained from the aeons of eternity to come into this room tonight and to bless you. Well, we might as well kick that devil out of here tonight. We are not looking at this meeting the way the world looks at this meeting. Well, somebody shout amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout glory to God. Listen, I may do nothing else, but one thing I'm going to do is blow that formal devil back to hell where he come from. I think it's time for the church of the living God to start enjoying the message that she's following. Come on, well, Brother Andrew, someday, sometime, somehow. Listen, if this is not the hour and the time and the season to enjoy the message of the hour, then pray tell me when he is. But right now, on a Saturday night, about a 7 o'clock hour, is the time to break out of the way the world has seen things. Break out of the way your family has seen things. Break out of the way your friends see things. And let the vision of the glory of Almighty God and the spirit of truth open your eyes to see. Amen. God sent you a message in this hour and that message was the revelation of the word and that revelation come to change our focus. Listen, I'm going to preach tonight. That it's come, amen, to change our focus. Look at somebody next to you and say it's time to change your focus. It's time to change your focus. If your focus is not this message, it's time to change it. If your focus is all the trouble and all the problems and all the disagreements and all the little things, if that's your focus, amen, you're not receiving a benefit from what God is doing in the hour that you're living in. I love the word focus. Webster says, amen, that focus is the center of an interest or activity. It is an act of concentrating, amen, interest or activity on something. It is the focal point, amen. Amen, of a person or their eyes. Amen, it means to adapt to the prevailing level of light and become able to see clearly. Amen, it means to cause one's eyes. Amen, to focus and to pay particular attention to. I love what the Bible says in Matthew 6, that the light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, then the whole body shall be full of light. But if the eye be evil, amen, then thy body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is 
is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now you know the prophet said that the eyes are the gate to the soul. Amen. Your eyes are the gate to your soul. Remember what we talked about Wednesday night? Amen. The soul is the real you. So whatever you let your eyes see is what's affecting the real you. The Bible says that the eye be single. Amen. Let the eye be focused. Let the eye pay particular attention to something. Amen. Don't look at the darkness. Look at the light. Now you know there's two kinds of sight, right? There's a natural sight and there's a spiritual sight. The prophet of God said there's a door in your heart and he said that door, amen, has got a door for spiritual sight. He said now when you let Christ come into that spiritual door, then he will open your spiritual sight and will show you himself. When you let Christ come into the door of spiritual sight in your heart, he said he will step in there and he will not show you the problems. He will not show you the situations. He will not show you the circumstances. He will not show you who said what and what said this. He will show you himself and if you can ever catch a vision of Jesus Christ the resurrected Lord, it'll end your suffering. It'll end your confusion. It will end your nervousness. Oh, I say God send the light. I say God send the light in this building and allow our eyes to adapt amen to the prevailing level of light. You know what the sun is? The sun is the king of all natural light. Amen. The sun has the ability amen to affect your natural sight. The prophet of God said, amen, when the word of God rises, all superstition, denominational fanaticisms, and those things spread away. And it shows just exactly what it is. He said the light only comes, the true light, the king light, amen, comes by the word of God. And the word of God made manifest always. Somebody say always. Always separates the light from the darkness. Then what does the prophet say? He said his word is superior over all man's words. Over everything, his word is light. Listen, people say, well, all we focus on is the word. I say, thank God. Amen, because we finally have got more than Russell light. We finally got more than Campbell light. We finally got more than denominational light. But under the voice of the seventh angel, we have received Messiah light. And it is not an inferior Superior light. It is a superior light. Come on, church. I know some of y'all sitting there looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's time to put your walking shoes on. It's time to put your walking shoes on and get in the paths of righteousness that he said he would lead you in for his name's sake. And let's start walking, church. Amen. Let's start walking towards glory. Let's start walking towards a body change. You say, well, Brother Andrew, the conditions are horrible. But a prophet in the middle of a sickness showed you how to change your confession. He said, though you're sick, Though you're in a wheelchair, he said, though you're laying on a deathbed dying, he said, put a well body out there in front of you. And he said, start walking and confessing your healing until your body obeys your confession. Come on, church. If that will work for the natural healing, then what about the rapture of the church of the living God? I think it's time to put our theophanies out in front of us and start saying, I'm going to inhabit it. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to worship in it. I'm going to rejoice in it. 
You know I'm telling you the truth. It's time to change what you're looking at. You know why some of you can't say amen right now? Because you're looking at the wrong thing. You know why you can't clap your hands? It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. But God sent this crazy spitting, swatting, oh God, spitting, slobbering, amen, crazy preacher all the way to the frozen state of Washington. Amen to tell you it's time to change your focus. It's time to change what you're looking at. You've been looking at the start looking at the problems. You've been looking at the problems. Start looking at the answer. You've been looking at the sickness. Start looking at the healing. You've been looking at the bondage. Start looking at the deliverance. It's time to change your focus. You know I'm telling you the truth. You got to change your focus. You got to quit letting what man say put out your fire. You gotta quit letting what people say put out your fire. I'm all, I know what I'm talking about. Have a good winter camp. And Monday morning somebody will say something and it'll squash all the fire out of you. But this is not a man built leaf revival. But this is a word revival. And we're not laying a bunch of leaves and a bunch of temporary, amen, fire igniting things on this revival. But we are laying some logs of the word and those logs will burn. They'll burn in the good times. They'll burn in the back Oh, I pray to God he would break out in this building tonight and set somebody on fire that sickness won't put it out. Trouble won't put it out. Situations won't put it out. I'm not talking about an emotional high. I'm talking about a revival. It'll change you from the inside out. I'm talking about a revival. It'll take you from the lowest to low to the highest to the highest. I'm talking about a revival. It'll change your focus. Well, somebody shout amen. Change our focus, oh God. Change our focus. Get your eyes off the problems and get your eyes on the promise. Is there a Caleb among us? Is there a Caleb among us? Caleb, you're never going to take the land off of the report of the spies. It will not happen. The spies are going to tell you, you can't do it. They're going to tell you the opposition is great. But I love what a prophet said. He said, Caleb wasn't looking at the opposition of the circumstances. He was looking at the promise of God. Do you know how long? Do you know how long, brother, that God, through Caleb, had been looking at his own problem? Home promise. Did you catch that? God, through Caleb, was looking at his own promise. Come on, church. I said God, through Caleb, was looking at his own promise. Come on, you didn't make this promise. So you can't fulfill this promise. If this promise is going to be fulfilled, it's going to take the God who made the promise to come into the flesh of the recipients of the promise and to testify contrary to what five senses declare. Testify contrary to what your flesh declare. Come on, Caleb. Program said when Caleb looked at that promise, he said he had been looking at that promise since before he left Egypt. Before he left Egypt, Brother Murphy, he was already looking at the promise of the promised land. And that promise was, I have given you the land. So Caleb didn't care what the circumstance looked like. He looked at what God said. 
I propose to you tonight that them tapes are not just room filling noise. Them tapes are not just something to play when you can't find nothing else to listen to. Them tapes are not something to turn on when you go to sleep and turn off when you wake up. Amen. But you ought to be laying in those tapes. You ought to be feeding on those tapes. Those tapes are the promise of God and they're not manhandled and they're unadulterated and they're pure and they're holy. Oh God, I feel like shout. And they're just, they're clean words. They're clean truths. They're powerful truths. I say, oh God, that's the thunders of your word. Let it thunder in this building tonight. So we have a voice to say it. We have an ear to hear it. We have an eye to receive I'm not feeding on what man says about this message. I'm feeding on what the voice of the seventh angel. It's not manhandled. It's not deluded. It's strong. Oh, you got to focus your life with the word of God. What are you saying? I'm saying focus your life with what a prophet said. You align yourself with what a man said about this message and give it a few days and you'll be questioning the bridge. Give it a few days and you'll be questioning the cloud. But if you align yourself, come on church, if you align yourself with just what a prophet said, no wind of doctrine will change your confession. Come on, church. Somebody told me not long ago. They said, well, we got somebody doing some investigation on the cloud. I said, oh, really? They said, yeah. They said, we got a scientist in a school laboratory who's going to do some investigation for the cloud. He said, let me ask you something. He said, you cannot prove the cloud to people without having some type of scientific evidence. He said, if you were talking to somebody and they ask you about the cloud, what would you say? I said, I would say what Brother Bram said. That's our Lord up there. He said, well, you know. I said, no, I don't. Explain to me. He said, well, you can't tell uneducated people, amen, about something, or educated people, something in uneducated terms. I said, can't tell educated people something in uneducated terms. How uneducated terms is it to say that's our Lord up there? Listen, I want to go on record tonight and say there's not a report coming out of a laboratory that will strengthen or weaken my belief in Revelation 10.1. There's not a scientist coming has been or will be that will change what I believe about what a prophet said. Come on, that's the same old devil that was back there in the days of Moses when the prophet said they said, Moses, go there and take your leaf off the burning bush and take it down to the laboratory and let him examine how that bush could be on fire and not be consumed. Oh, I tell you, that's a mystery to the devil tonight how a church has been through as much trouble as you've been through, has been through as many hard times as you've been through and you're still here tonight and and you're on fire, but you're not consumed. The devil tried to close the doors and you're still burning. The devil tried to shut you up and you're still burning. The devil tried to do everything he could to conquer and divide the vision of Almighty God that has been released from the mist. But I want to say, wake up, devil. We're still here. We're still here. We're still preaching. We're still singing. We're still testifying. We're still worshiping the one true. We're still here, devil. You know why we're here? Because the word and the word has become the living unit. Change your focus. 
You know I'm telling you the truth. Notice this message changed our focus. See, then there's a bride on the earth who is not becoming one with end time signs. Blood moons don't move her. Balloons floating over don't shake her. Come on, COVID don't move her. Pestilence and famine and threats of war and rumors of war. It don't move her. You know why? Because she has become one with the voice that warned her about the modern events that were being made clear by the prophecy. Now listen to this. The Bible said there will be fail hearts failing for fear because they're looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see. When the powers of heaven and earth are shaken, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Are you ready for this, young people? And when these things begin to come to pass, the Bible says, then look up. I could stop right there and say then change your focus. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads. Lift up your head for your redemption is drawing nigh. Listen to this. In other words, amen, look from the earthward, amen, to heavenward. Amen. In a day of confusion, the Bible is declaring to the church, you've got to look to heaven for your inspiration. You've got to look to heaven for your help. Now, you know as well as I that Brother Branham preaches, look away to Jesus. He preaches the word look. He preaches a message called looking unto Jesus. Are you hearing me? When he's preaching those things, He's doing it for a purpose. He's doing it to change, amen, your focus from the earth to heavenward. Now, come on, amen, if we're driving down the road, Brother Tom, and you say, look over there. You know what's happened? You've seen something. And because you've seen it, you want me to see it. Amen, you're not just saying, amen, well, they call that game uh, where they tell you to look and it's not there. I can't think of the name of it. Anyhow, it's a game. They say, hey, look, and you look and nothing's there. Maybe that's just down in the south. I don't know. But when a prophet said look, and then he was not telling you to look without there being something there to get your attention. Come on, church. When he says, look, he takes time to tell you, I was out there and seven angels come down and made a consolation in the heavens. He said, Jack Moore didn't know what it was. He said, but I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, you turn the picture to the right. And when you turn it to the right, a voice comes out. That is our Lord up there. Listen, when he told you to look away, he was not pointing you to Jeffersonville. He was not pointing you to Tucson. He was not pointing you to somewhere. He was pointing you to Jesus Christ. Come on church to fulfill the scripture that when these things begin to come to pass there's got to be something that the church can get eyes off of the earth and get their eyes in the heavens and the cloud brother can. It didn't appear in the valley. It didn't appear underneath his feet. It appeared in the skies. It was so high and it was so holy that he could see it. The school kids could see it. Oh I say tonight young people it's time to lift up this message until everybody can see it. Come on, church, it's time to lift up the message. It's time. Come on. Amen. I'm just going to go ahead and preach to you tonight. Amen. I say God bless our brother Bisco. Amen. For lifting up this message so high. 
He lifted it up. Amen. Where China could see it. He lifted it up where India could see it. He lifted it up where Vancouver could see it. Come on, church. And now, and it's your turn to take the same message and hold it up before a wicked and adulterous generation and let them know that Jesus Christ is not in a tomb in Jerusalem, but he has made a return visit to this age. Lift up the message. Lift up the Son of Man. Lift up the revelation. You said, Brother Andrew, how are we going to get people in? You're not. You're just going to lift the message up. Brother, if you'll lift the message up, God will draw them in. If you lift the message up, and then you ain't got to draw them, the message will do the drawing. Because the prophet said, when you get one look at God, he said it will change the way you see things forever. Now, I pray this is okay. You've got to change your attention from the earth to heaven. Can you agree there? David says, they looked unto him and were lightened in their eye and their faces were not ashamed. The words amen in case you forgot it. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. David says, unto thee lift out mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Come on, tell me where that cloud was. It was in the heavens. Come on, church. It was high where everybody could see it. Blessed is the eyes of the servants that look into the hand of their masters. And as the eyes of the maiden look into the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. I love Isaiah 40 verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them by the names, by the greatness of his mind for that he is strong in power and not one that faileth. Come on church. That, that son of man that appeared, and then Jesus Christ, the mighty angel, he is not a weak God. He is Jesus Christ, and he has got power, and he's got authority. See, Brother Bram said, God is your joy. Anybody sad tonight? You've got to look at God. He's your joy. He said, God is your strength. I love this one, Brother Tom. Knowing the message is our sufficiency now. I remember one time I was preaching, the guy asked me, he said, what do you fall back on when you're preaching the message and it don't work? I said, well, I don't have a backup plan. I just preach the message. He said, no, I mean like when you get in a spot and ain't nothing breaking, what do you do? Do you pull a joke out? Do you tell a funny story? What do you do? I said, I just preach the message. He said, no, you're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying when you're in a tight service amen, and nothing's breaking and nothing's moving, what do you do? Do you lean back on a book? I said, no, I just preach the message. He said, well, you're one of them guys, aren't you? I said, that's who I am. I'm one of them. He said, what do you mean? Amen, because I know the message I'm preaching has been around the world seven times, Tommy, and it's never been defeated. It's been in the jungles of Africa. It's been in the huts of India. It's been in the face of witch doctors. It's been in the face of jungles where there was witches and all kinds of rebellious spirits of witchcraft trying to put a curse upon it. Amen. But every time Jesus Christ come riding out of the arena and he wasn't carrying the defeat. He was carrying the victory. And by what authority do I stand before you tonight? I stand before you by the authority of the message of the hour. My Lord Jesus has descended into this building 
building tonight. He has stepped into the arena. He has come in here tonight as the God of war, as the God of battle, as the God of deliverance. Brother Tom, and he will not leave this battle defeated. You Christians got to look to him. You got to look to him for your joy. You got to look to him for your strength. He is your peace. He is your consolation. He is your love. He is my life. You got to look to him. You got to look to him. I'm on church now. You say, Brother Andrew, I'm too low. I'm in too much of a situation to change my focus. Well, according to a prophet, Jesus, the son of God, amen, stood at the grave of Lazarus. And when he stood there in order to see the resurrection, he had to change his focus. When he stood at the grave of Lazarus, he looked at Lazarus. He looked at his body. He could smell the odor. He could see the grave. And the Bible said he put his head down and he wept because Lazarus, his friend, was laying in a grave dead. But then I love the verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where he was dead. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Woo, glory. When he saw the resurrection, he had to change his focus from the grave to the goal. Come on, church. Amen. Lazarus's spirit was not in that tomb. Lazarus's resurrection was not in that tomb. Come on, Jesus. I feel like preaching tonight. Jesus was standing upon the earth. Amen. But he was looking to the Father who is in heaven because he himself said, says, that the Son can do nothing but what he seeth the Father do also. And when Jesus turned his attention from the grave of his dead friend, he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee. Amen that thou has heard me. And I'll say it to you like this, Brother Victor. Those eyes, amen, found Lazarus' spirit. Those eyes found the resurrection of Lazarus. Come on, church. And the eyes of Jesus Christ, amen, pulled the resurrection of Lazarus, amen, from the heavens into the earth. And it took that... Hallelujah. It took that resurrection into the tomb. And here was the bride who was laying, Brother Andrew, under the burdens and the debts and the creeds and the trespasses. We was in a grave. We looked like death. We talked like death. Our doctrine was death. The way we baptized was death. The way we was praying was death. But God sent the seventh angel with the voice of resurrection to stand behind the pulpit. And he looked at you and he said, there's no hope in denomination. So he lifted up his unto the hills. He lifted up his eyes unto the hills from whence cometh his help. And he said, my help comes from the Lord. And by the help of the Lord, he rebuked 900 denominations. By the help of the Lord, he spoke the word. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you got to change your focus. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying what the Bible says in John 17. The Bible speaks of what the, what the word calls Christ's hour. Now notice this. What it was, it was a prediction of the sufferings of Christ. Can I preach to you now? The, the Christ hour was the prediction of his sufferings. In the book of John 17, verse 1, he said, Father, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son. Amen. And the son also may glorify thee. Now watch this. Brother Abraham said, you just got to keep moving on. Sometimes it will get hard. Can I, can I get a witness that sometimes it'll get hard? Brother Jack, sometimes it'll get hard. He said, and the ways will get dim. But you just remember. You just remember. You just look down towards the ground. Look down towards the ground, 
Yeah, because he remembered you were still human. Come on, church. When Jesus first went to the grave of Lazarus, he wasn't looking at the sky. He was looking at the ground. He was looking at a grave. He was looking at a dead friend. Amen. But when the voice of resurrection thundered, it changed his focus from the earth to the heavens. So a prophet was giving you the liberty, Brother Ken, to look down. The prophet was giving you the liberty, young people, to look down. But he didn't leave your focus down. He said, once you look down, then look up towards the sky, and you'll find a bloody footprint that follows all the way up there. He will lead the way. Come on, church. Can I preach to you tonight? I mean, you got a right to be sad sometimes. you got a right to grieve. you got a right to be down. But don't you forget, after you've looked at the ground, after you've cried, come on, Lazarus. Oh, God. After you've been sad, it ain't time to stay in that condition. It's time to change your focus. It's time to lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. Oh, you say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about trials. I'm talking about testings. I'm talking about trials. Now, can I, can I drop something to you? I'm, I'm moving into my message now. There's two elements to every trial. Anybody ever had a trial? I, anybody? Five of you. You had a trial. You, maybe some of y'all, I remember a brother said one time, he said, you're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, in between a trial, or going in a trial. Because we come here for the testings and the trying of our faith that through these trials and these testings we might be made perfect. Now, there's two elements to every trial. Can I tell you what they are? They are suffering and they are glory. Two elements to every trial. There is suffering and then there is glory. Look in Romans 8, 17. If children then heirs and heirs of God join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, amen, we may be also glorified together. Now notice this. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, what did I read you when I opened up? Amen, you cannot get your faith centered on the situations of the present time, but you've got to get your faith centered on the world that spoke of the situations in the present time. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I love to read my Bible. So I read through my Bible the other day and you know what I found, Brother Murphy? I found that when you see suffering, if you keep on reading, you'll see glory. And if you see the whole God, He's here tonight. If you see glory and you keep on reading, you'll see suffering. Amen. Suffering and glory go hand in hand. Come on. I'll read you some, some passages in the scripture in a moment to show you that when you see suffering, just keep on reading because you're going to see glory. When you see suffering, don't you close your Bible. Don't you turn off the tapes. Don't you quit coming to the house of God. When you see the suffering, just stay in line. You're going to see the glory. But I might as well say it. You've seen a lot of suffering, Cloverdale, but you're fixing to see the glory. Hallelujah. You've seen the sufferings of this present time, but God has shown you his glory. He'll continue to show you his glory. Don't you close your Bible. Don't you quit preaching this message. Don't you let some dumb old devil, amen, rob you of the greatest revival that has ever hit the face of the earth. It's your season to see the glory. It's your season to rejoice in the glory. It's your season to feel the influence of the Shekinah August presence. 
When you see suffering, just keep reading. You'll see glory. Yeah. Come on, young people. I come to tell you, you've seen the suffering, but you're getting ready to see the glory. The sufferings of this present time. Now look at this word suffering. I, I want to lay this word in here, okay? That word suffering is an external suffering. It is a misfortune. So you say, I got the raw end of the deal. But in reality, you didn't. Because if you didn't get the misfortune, you wouldn't find the fortune. If you didn't get the calamity, you wouldn't find the healer. Come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. The reason why some of y'all were shouting last night like you were is because you weren't just telling a sermon, but there was a bowl in your heart that was testifying, I have been broken, but I have been healed. I declare unto you it's a season of healing. It's a season of restoration. It's a season of restoring. Come on, church. Amen. You've seen the suffering. Now see the glory. You know what that word suffering means? It is the affliction of which Christians must undergo in behalf of the same cause which Christ patiently endured. Of an inward state, it is of an affliction or a passion or an endurance. Somebody was testifying to me today that last night in the meeting, they'd been dealing with something. Amen, amen. They'd been dealing with something, and while they were dealing with it, it was annoying. That's the best way I know how to put it. It was annoying them. It was it was constantly there. Can I tell you what a prophet said? He said, it seems like the Christian life if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ. The Christian life seems like it holds so many disappointments. But those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Oh, we ought to be shouting right there. Those divine appointments, those misfortunes, those calamities, those afflictions are God's divine will happening for us. It don't seem like it would be that way. Amen. But that is God's way of doing things. You know what the Bible says in Psalms 34? It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. That word affliction means bad. It means evil. It, it means malignant. From the word affliction is where we get the word malignancy. Can I just preach to you for a second? Every affliction you face has the potential to become a malignancy. But there's a healer in the room. It is an affliction unpleasant. It is evil. It is given pain. It is unhappiness. It is misery. Remember I said, after we become property of His, our confession, our baptism, our promise to walk in life for Him, then every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for His glory. Every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for His glory. It's to bring us to a place where God can make Himself more real to us make himself more real to us than he was before the trial come. He said, I have seen it in my own life that every time a great situation rises that I cannot get around or I cannot get under or I cannot get over. He said, God makes a way and comes out glorious. Come on, church. You have seen the suffering. Now see the glory. When you suffer because you can't see a way around it. When you suffer because you can't see a way over it. When you suffer because you can't see a way beneath it. You just stand there and you keep on testifying and you keep on confessing. Come on, remember last year? You're a little eagle in a chicken shell. You're a little eagle in a shell and you got to get out of the shell. you got to get out of there because there's life outside of that shell. So you keep on peeping and you keep on 
peeping and you keep on. Come on, church. Some of y'all need to start peeping right now. You're in the middle of a trial and you cannot rejoice because all you see is the suffering. You're in the middle of a calamity and you cannot say amen because all you see is the suffering. But I come here tonight to tell you, just change your focus. You'll see the glory. What are you saying about Jesus? I'm saying Jesus is our mediator. And if he is the right kind of mediator, then brother, sister, he had to suffer in order to be the right kind of mediator. Now, I told you I'd read you some scriptures, so can I give them to you? In 2 Corinthians 1.5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 7, And our hope of you is steadfast knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering so shall you also be of the consolation help me Lord if you are the partakers of the suffering then you're going to be a partaker of the consolation Philippians 3 verse 10 Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death in Hebrews 2 verse 9 the Bible says but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death see crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God should taste death for every man for it became him it fell his lot it was his allotment in life it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. Are you ready for this? To make the captain of their salvation perfect through the sufferance. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through the sufferance. Now, when you realize this in a trial, amen, you approach the sufferance, right? You approach sufferance. Can I tell you how Jesus approached his sufferance? He approached his sufferance in his trials by revelation. The Bible says in Isaiah 50 verse 6, he says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. And I hid not my face from shame and spitting. So Jesus was not dodging the suffering, but he had a revelation. If I'm going to see the glory, I've got to endure the suffering. Because after the suffering will come the glory. Isaiah 53 is very powerful in that it shows you he suffered. Amen. The just for the unjust. Brother Abraham said he suffered as no man had ever suffered. Even before the cross, he had shed great drops of sweat like blood from his body as in the intense agony of the ordeal ahead. The very blood separated in his veins. Now come on church. These things that were happening to him was not taking him by surprise come on church help me now you know I'm telling you the truth Jesus could sit down take the scrolls and read Psalms 22 he could read the scriptures that said amen his his beard would be plucked from his face he could read the very details come on now listen you say well brother Andrew we can't you're exactly right we got a bible that tells us the sufferings are coming we had a prophet break down by revelation and interpretation the very details of the suffering but Jesus could sit down and maybe his scripture one night before he laid down wherever his bed was he would read about how they would put a crown of thorns up 
upon his hand. This was his hour. Listen, he knew these things were coming. He knew that he would suffer more than any man had ever suffered. Are you hearing me? He knew that would happen. He knew he would suffer. He would suffer before the cross. He would suffer in the in the garden of Gethsemane when he would pray. Amen. We're having sweat issues. It's not them guys' fault back there. There goes the $30. It's a joke. Well, maybe not, Brother Jonathan. I don't know. He suffered as no man had ever suffered. Even before the cross, he sat before one nail in his, in his hand or his foot. Amen. Agony broke his blood down and caused it to come out of his very skin. See, but Jesus was not focusing on the suffering. You say, what gave him the courage? Amen. To keep on pressing on. When he read what would be, would do to him. What gave him the courage, brother, to keep on going? When he read that they would spit in his face, they would shame him and hang him there naked, exposed. Brother Victor, what gave him the courage to keep on going? The Bible said that he suffered the contradiction of sinners. Amen. For the joy that was set before him. Come on, church. Can I tell you what that joy was that was before him? Go look in the mirror. He took the spit for you. He took the beard plucking for you. He took the crown of thorns for you. Come on, church. He got down in the garden of Gethsemane, brother, and he prayed until his sweat droplets become blood droplets, but he did it for you. Come on, church. He knew there was suffering, but he knew that third day was coming. Hallelujah. He suffered and he suffered and he persevered and he persevered. Can I just go ahead and preach to you tonight? Because he knew this night was coming. He knew this night was coming. He knew if he didn't do it, you would gather here with needs and he would have no way to meet him. But brother Tommy, he endured the sufferings. He endured the contradiction. He endured the spit. He endured the mockery. Because he caught a vision of the glory. Oh, there's a special condition. Brother Abraham said there's a special condition that comes out of the life of Jesus. Oh, devil. You might as well get out of here. Somebody shout glory. glory. Somebody praise God. Glory. Somebody shout glory. glory. Boo devil. Amen. Boo devil. unexpected error. I bet that was devil. I bet you just got an unexpected error. I bet that devil was not expecting you to catch a revelation that after the suffering there's going to come some glory. I guarantee you that devil wasn't expecting that you would break out of that shell and believe God for your victory. That devil wasn't expecting you to say, okay devil, throw all the suffering, but after the suffering, I'm going to see the glory. After the suffering, after the trial, after the persecution, after the disappointment, after the hard times, I'm going to stand in the house of God and I'm going to wave my palm branch. I'm going to see waters break out in the desert. We're going to see the glory. I feel like having a testimony meeting. Somebody shouted in the back. We're going to see the glory. Somebody shouted in the middle. We're going to see the glory. Somebody shouted up front. Let's go ahead and say it now. We are seeing the glory. We're not just going to see the glory. We are right now seeing the glory. Yes, sir. Suffering is here. 
but so is the glory. Brother Andrew, what are you saying? I'm saying, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. Now, can I break those words of Romans 8 down for you? The Bible says the sufferings of this present time. I love how Brother Branham humiliates the word suffering. You know how he humiliates it? He says this little temporary suffering. Some of y'all been tore up for 10 years about something that's temporary. You've been nervous about something that's little. Come on, church. You might as well humiliate that devil while you got a chance. He's told you how big he is. He's told you how bold he is. He's told you what he's going to do. He's told you what he's going to think about you. He's told you what's going to happen to you. Amen. But what if I told you tonight, the one talking to you don't even have the keys to his own house. What if I told you tonight that devil is telling you the way things are going to turn out? Amen. They're not looking too good for him. As a matter of fact, my Bible says he's going to end up in a lake of fire and there's going to be a lid put up on his head and he's going to be bound by a chain of circumstance. And my Bible says that the righteous are going to walk out on the ashes of the wicked. I'll tell you what, devil, it ain't looking too good for you, but it's sure looking good for us. It ain't looking too good for that old devil, but it's looking good for us. One of these mornings, one of these days, one of these hours, this anointing is breaking out in this building tonight. It's going to break out for the last time that all the suffering's going to be over. All the troubles are going to be over. All the heartaches are going to be behind us. And it's glory up ahead. It's victory up ahead. It's Holy Ghost power up ahead. It's a little temporary suffering. But there's a tremendous glory. Oh, yeah. There's a little suffering, but there's a tremendous glory. What about it, sis? There's a little suffering, but there's a tremendous glory. Well, I'm going to put my dancing shoes on tonight. This little old suffering, that's like a little squirrel. Chatter, 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 chatter. I want to shut the voice of the little chatter, chatter squirrel up. And tell him I have been calmed and my fears have been rebuked by the voice of the seventh angel. Fear not. That's the number one thing. Says fear not. That's the number one thing. And then stand still, young man. And when you stand still, you'll see the glory of the Lord. Now, how many's in a trial tonight? You're in a trial. We're all in trials. Changing your focus, I'm laying some word here, results in joy amidst the trial. So you can be in the middle of the trial and give the devil an unexpected error. In the middle of the trial... You can give the devil an unexpected error. That devil wasn't expecting you at the altar last night. That devil wasn't expecting you to stand up tonight and break out of all the doom and gloom. Oh, glory to God. That devil's not expecting you to worship God again. That devil's not expecting you to love again. That devil's not expecting you. Oh, but there's a scriptural expectation and it's coming from the word. When you sing the suffering, stay in line. You're going to see the glory. 
Oh yeah. Amen. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Can I move a step further now? Can I move a step further? I'm going to move into the last part of my title, okay? We've seen the the suffering, right? We've seen the suffering. We've seen the glory. How have we seen it? By vision. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Look at this word beforehand. It means to make known. It means to make known before. It means to predict. Oh, devil. Get out of here because Peter comes along and says in 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice, unexpected error. I'm going to preach on that in a few days. <laughs> unexpected error, but rejoice. These guys will beat me to it. I ain't going to preach on that in a few days. But rejoice. Come on, church, rejoice. But Brother Andrew, I'm in the middle of a trial. But in the middle of the trial, your focus has been changed. And the changing of your focus is the releasing of your ability to rejoice. In so much as ye are the partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding great joy. When God was ready to speak, he had to steal the people. And it was one day coming out of Egypt. Oh my. Coming out of Egypt, he had to steal the people. And before they got there, that God wanted to show his glory. And God can only show his glory when his people stand still and looks for it. He can only reveal his glory when the people will stand still and they will look for the glory. If you're not looking for the glory, you're not going to see the glory. But if you're looking for the glory, he will draw your attention to the glory because we see the glory by faith. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. The prophet said Moses was choosing rather not to walk by sight. Amen. But he chose to walk by faith by the unseen. And when a man does that by walking by sight and not faith, he robs the inner man, which is the soul. Listen, faith does not lower its sight in the middle of a trial by by looking at the present time. Direct quote. Faith does not look at the present time. It does not lower its sights. Faith sees it out yonder. Faith sees it out yonder. And faith chooses that regardless of what the present tense says here, he looks at the end. Faith does not look at the present condition, but faith chooses rather to look at the end. What are you saying? I'm saying Moses' mother had to use the eyes of faith. Now notice this. Can I preach to you? Because Moses' mother, now come on, tell me Moses' mother was not in a trial. When the Lord told her, take your baby and put him in a basket in a crocodile infested waters. (laughs) 
in a crocodile infested waters and flow him down the river. Brother Abraham said those crocodiles were getting fat on those Israelite babies. Brother Abraham said Moses' mother walked down there. Now Brother Silas, when she walks down there, here's what she sees. She sees the water. She's looking down, right? She sees the water. She sees the crocodiles. She sees her baby. She sees the basket. And she sees him going down the river. But the prophet of God said the mother's eyes, amen, oh God. He said her eyes were changed. He said because God, in order to be God, he knew the end from the beginning so he could predict it. Come on now. Moses' mother is in the middle of the trial and right in the middle of the trial she receives the prediction of God's word and, oh God, and she changes her focus and the prophet said right there putting him in the water but by faith she saw him with the children of Israel and they were being placed over in the promised land. She wasn't in the promised land yet. Moses was still a baby. But by faith, in the middle of the trial, she caught a revelation of the glory. She caught a revelation of the glory. And he says, see, the faith of God takes you beyond that. What are you saying, Brother Andrew? I'm saying right now tonight, this is the burden of my heart. Amen. May he come in here tonight and anoint the servant with great power that this audience will be illuminated with this great August being that he may sway over the building. How many says, oh God, sway over the building? I believe he's swaying right now. I believe right now the presence of the August being of the Shekinah glory is swaying across this building. He said, as it's swaying across this building, that people will lose sight of their diseases and they will sway into the fears, or the spheres rather, where they can see Jesus and take his word. Listen church, I say this to you tonight, it's hard in the middle of the trial to focus on the glory. You know why? Because it's unseen. The glory is unseen and the suffering is seen. Say that with me. The suffering is seen. The suffering is seen. But the glory is unseen. The suffering is seen, but the glory is unseen. But I say this tonight. Thank God for the message of the hour that stood in the breach. It stood in the gap between the seen world and the unseen world. What are you saying? I'm saying the message of the hour has the ability to connect the seen realm to the unseen realm by the ministry of the seventh angel. Come on, church. There was a heavens and there was an earth. Amen. And there was a gap between the heavens and the earth. And you was trapped. Oh, God. Brother Murphy, you was trapped in this earthly realm. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy, fulfilled his word. And a little seventh grade Kentucky educated preacher stepped out on the scene and stood between the seen world and the unseen world as a telephone of communication. You all believe these things, I know. He stood there as a telephone of communication. And the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. If there is no vision, you will perish in the suffering and never see the glory. But if there is a vision, brace. If there's a vision breaks in the middle of the suffering, it will enlighten your eyes and will guide your eyes to see the suffering. But also see the glory. 
where there is no vision, the people will perish. That word vision is divine communication. I love this. Can I, can I give you a quick rundown of what a prophet said a vision is? He said a vision is another dimension. A vision is another dimension. It's outside the five. It's a sixth sense. What is a vision? Someone asked many times, Brother Branham, are you impressed to say certain things? Do you just think it in your mind? No, sir. I see it. I'm looking at you. Just the same as you are. (laughs) Oh, God. Only you're standing here. Yet you may be 40 years back in somebody's life. You even see them the way they're dressed. You see them the way they're dressed, positionally and everything. But a vision is God. A vision is God. It is by a word of knowledge dropping to the person to foresee something, tell something that has been or something that will be. What is a vision? A vision is the forecast. Oh God. A vision is the forecast of future events. It foretells the thing before it happens. See, then what does a vision do? A vision, brother, connects two worlds at the same time. The prophet said it like this. He said, in other words, a vision causes you to be in two worlds at the same time. You're in this world here now, yet you're in another world, and you're speaking over there, but your voice is being heard back here. You're in another world, seeing other things, speaking over there, but they're not hearing you over there. You're being heard over here. Oh, glory to God. Two worlds connected by a vision to prove to you that when a man catches the vision of the invisible God, it stabilizes his actions. Oh, God. I'm preaching to you tonight. It stabilizes his actions. It stabilizes his thinking. And in the time of distress and trouble, it'll still make him look upward. And above the things that are happening around him because he is looking at the unseen yet by promise. Abraham did not only see the unseen, he seen it and he believed it because God said it was so. Can I give you an illustration? You're Abraham and you're married to your wife Sarah. You look at Sarah, her milk veins are dried up. Her womb is as good as dead. You're an old man. There's no life in you. Come on church. There's no life in you and you receive a promise by God you're going to have a child. You receive a promise by God, you're going to have a child. Amen. I know that devil's fighting me right now, but I know where I'm standing. And I say, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I claim this meeting and I adjure thee by the power of the Holy Ghost. Take your hands off of God's property and release the faith of the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ in this building. House of hell, give way to the name of Jesus Christ. You're in this dimension. You're looking at your wife. And the prophet of God said that Abraham broke into the unseen dimension and saw Sarah holding the baby. There's Sarah in the unseen world holding the baby. Here's Sarah in the seen world, old as she can be, Womb dead, milk veins dried up. 
But he saw her holding a baby. Sarah, you're going to hold a baby. I don't know how. I see you holding a baby. So what did Abraham do? He stood in the gap and brought the two dimensions together. The faith of Abraham from the unseen world stood in the prayer, stood in the breach, and he pulled the the vision from the unseen world into the seen world. And Sarah had the baby called Isaac. The prophet stands there in a prayer line, said, "What just happened now?" He said, "I went into another world. It's an unseen world." He said, "We become so conscious of looking at one another like this, but there is an unseen world, and it's greater than anything you can see." And here's Christ. In this world, in this building here, are evil spirits and war. And Christians are here. And they're anointed. Oh, God. Boo, devil. And the angels of God are encamped about them, trying to energize them with faith. And here I'm standing, just yielding myself. I hear that devil right now saying he's, he's going to win this, this evening, but I want to just read him a quote. And the Holy Spirit's moving. And this is what you call heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But remember, Satan is a skeptic. He's just trying to interfere. But Christians always overcome. Christians always overcome. The same vision that speaks of the suffering speaks of the glory. Brother Bram said, what's going to happen in closing that? I say this. He said, what's going to happen? He said, the vision, amen, has to be in order, everything in place. It has to be perfectly, positionally the same, perfectly materialized. Now, what does the word materialize mean? It means to appear in bodily form. So when something materializes... It appears in bodily form. What are you getting at, Brother Andrew? I want to say it to you like this. Whether you realize it or not, when God sends a vision, Brother Bram said it may take 4,000 years to materialize. I'm laying the word in right now. He said when Jesus, he said when God saw the lamb slain, he said there was 4,000 years went by before the lamb actually was slain and the vision materialized. He said, but it was so true that he made a record of it. He put it in a document and released it to the world. Come on, church. Are you hearing me? That would be like you, Brother Jack, saying in 4,000 years, I'm going to do so-and-so and such-and-such and have this much money, this much home, this much car. It's been 4,000 years between now and the fulfillment. But you're so confident of it that it's going to be challenged. It's going to be criticized. Come on, church. They're going to pick it apart. There's going to be atheists pick it apart. There's going to be skeptics pick it apart. But you know in whom you are. Come on, church. You don't think when William Branham had them seven visions in 1933, he didn't fight a battle? Come on, church. From 1933 until just here recently, how many years has gone by? Amen. And little by little by little by little, them visions have been fulfilling. But he never one time took them back. Come on, church. He never one time took them back. As a matter of fact, he recorded them in a book. 
and sent them around the world and they are materializing before your eyes. Listen, it may take some time to materialize, but it's going to happen. It may never look like that a woman would raise up in power in a purple outfit, in a purple color, but it happened. Oh God. It may never look like, amen, that a car would be in an egg, egg, egg shape, playing audio games and video games going down the road, but it happened. And I close by saying this tonight. It may never look like you'll walk in victory, but it's happening. It may never look like you'll believe again, but it's happening. It may never look like you're going to take a rapture, but it's happening. It may never look like you're going to be a part of an invincible army, but it is happening. And the devil can't stop it. The critics can't stop it. The unbelievers can't stop it. It has been spoken. It has been recorded. It has been preached. And it's being materialized. The vision. I'm fighting the devil right now. But it's happening. Don't you go to sleep on me. It's happening. Wake up, devil. It's happening. What was in the mind of God is in the church. It's happening. Can I quit? And here's the beautiful part about it. You're a part of it. You are a part of it and nobody can take your place. Testing, testing, one, two. You're a part of it. You've been seen in the vision. It's been recorded. You're in position to fulfill it. And nobody can take your place. No matter how bad they want to. Silas, a lot of people wants to take your place, but they can't take your place. Jonathan, a lot of people wants to take your place, but they can't take your place. Ella, a lot of people wants to take your place, but they can't take your place. You know I'm telling the truth. Brother Tom, a lot of people wants to take your place, but they can't take your place. Brother Brother Michael, a lot of people wants to take your place, but they can't. Brother Murphy, they can't take your place because nothing can be in the fulfillment of the vision that was not in the written record of it. I'm trying to quit, but y'all's preaching me. There's nothing can be in the fulfillment of the vision that was not in the written record. If it was not in the, if it was not in the prediction beforehand, it will not be in the fulfillment. But if it was in the prediction, 
if it was in the mind of God, if it was in the thoughts of God, if it was in the Lamb's book of life, then it will be in the fulfillment. Can I prove it to you? Brother Bram's in Florida one day, and as he's in Florida, a vision breaks. And when the vision breaks, in the vision, he sees a little boy hit by a car, laying in the road. Brother Tom, he sees the trees. He sees the mountains. He sees the scene. He sees everything. And he goes to Jack Moore and says, Jack, here's what I've seen. Now record it in the file for your Bible. The vision has now been recorded. First step. It is now being recorded. Brother Branham begins to tell the vision. And as he begins to tell the vision, he said for two years, he said every child that died in a car wreck, he said they would call me and ask me to come and pray because it was the fulfillment of the vision. He said, but I knew the boy's hair color. I knew the boy. What's that? Praise God. Well, God's translating the vision right here tonight. I knew the boy's hair color. I knew his eye color. I knew the clothes he was wearing. Brother Bram said, so out of courtesy, I would walk to the scene. I would look at the child and I would say, no, no, that's not it. He said, I would kneel down and pray. And he would say, I'd say, Lord, you know the need of this family. Heal him right now in the name of Jesus and raise this kid back to life. And he said, I would go on. He said, nobody could take the place of what I saw in the vision. For two years, they carried it in the file for their Bible. And at an unexpected time. At an unexpected time. In an unexpected place. By an unexpected way in the country of Kupio, Finland, he's driving down the road and they come up on the scene of an accident and he walks up there and he kneels down and he said, all of a sudden I felt something come over me. I've been here before. I've seen this before. He said, I begin to turn and walk around. He said, but then something touched me on the shoulder and said, you've seen this before. He said, Jack, go get your Bible. He said, Andrew, go get them message books. Tom, go put a sermon together. Michael, go listen to a tape. Murphy, go translate a book. Brother Biscoe, have a vision to get the message out. Come on, church. It's been recorded. He said, Jack, go get your Bible. He said, I turned in the fly leaf of Jack's Bible. And he said, Brother Branham, there'll be mountains. He said, there's the mountains. He said, Brother Branham, there'll be trees. He said, there's the trees. He said, there'll be a boy about eight years old. He said, how old is the boy? He's about eight years old. He said, he'll have this color eye there. There they are. Come on, church. I feel like preaching this thing right now. You know what it's like to be in a car wreck. Amen. You don't look like yourself in a car wreck. Amen. How did he know what color eyes that boy had? He had been run over by a car, but the vision had been recorded. And he said, now listen, he said, I'm going to pray. And in a few moments of time, he said, in five minutes, if this boy is not up on his feet, 
You call me a false prophet. He said, so I knelt down. I laid my hand on him. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let him rise up to his feet. It's just what happened. He said, in a few minutes, the little boy kindly batted his eyes and looked around and said, what's going on in here? Who are you? Wow, this is incredible. No. The little boy leaped to his feet and screamed. And began to run all around just as perfectly normal and well as he could be. Now that boy's name is in the book. That boy's name is in the book. Well, there's a greater book than the visions of William Branham. There's the Lamb's book of life. And your name is in it. You're a part of this vision. There's a blood atonement for you. Come on, church. You've seen the suffering. You've seen the glory. Now watch the vision of the rapture materialize before your very eyes. Let our musicians come. You've seen the suffering. You've seen the suffering. Now see the glory by vision. As our musicians are coming tonight. You've been recorded in a book. Now, I really, I got a lot on it, but I'm going to just say it real quick like this. Did you catch the part in the recorded vision that Brother Bram said a body he would be standing on? He said he'll be standing on his feet. Brother Tom, he could have said, he'll be up, he'll be awake, but he'll be laying on his back. Or he'll be up, he'll be awake, he'll roll over on his side. But he specifically, specifically pinpointed he'll be on his feet. Well, you know me, I got to thinking, why would he specifically pinpoint his feet in the vision? And then I went over to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. And I read where the Bible says the seed of a woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Then I went from there over to the book of Romans, the 16th chapter. And the Bible in the 20th verse says that the God of peace shall bruise your, shall bruise your enemy, the devil, under your feet shortly. I said, oh, shortly. Oh, that's right. In the vision I read, there would be a short, quick work. Come on, church. The same God that was in the Messiah in the seed of Genesis 3 is the same God that's in the body of the Messiah etch of Romans, the 16th chapter. And then I went over there and I read Ephesians verse uh, chapter 1, and it says, He hath put all things underneath His feet. 
I don't mind telling you, Brother Tom, when I read that, I stood up in my office and I walked around for a minute going like this. I just walked around stomping. You say, preacher, that's a little bit crazy. Well, if you get carried away in the spirit, it feels pretty good to stomp around. And as I was stomping around my office, you know what I said? I said, devil, that's where you are. You're underneath my feet. Just a few minutes before the boy was dead and death was reigning over his body. But by the voice of the vision of the word, when the vision materialized, the boy was on his feet. And death was under his feet. He has subdued all things underneath his feet. Now I know what people say. I know the quote. They're already there before I got there. Well, Brother Andrew, Brother Bram said God don't move in excitement and he don't move in all this. We don't stomp a devil out. You're exactly right. I got the quotes here. I'm not going to read them to you, but I got them. We don't stomp a devil out. But I did find something that was pretty powerful in the message. You know what that was? That when the prophet stood in a prayer line and prayed for people who had arthritis. (laughs) You all know what arthritis is. It's a condition that as you age, the harder it becomes to move. So the more wounds and injuries and trials and disappointments and calamities and afflictions and things you go through, the harder it becomes to move. So your joints get a little stiff. Come on, you know what I'm telling you. Amen. Amen. Used to be 15 years old, jump out of bed and take off running. Amen. Now you get up and make sure everything's working and back's in place. Your shoulders are in place and you slow. Amen. Amen. Arthritis setting in. You can't move like you used to. But I found something pretty powerful, Brother Tom. About 31 times, Brother Branham stood in the prayer line and said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, heals you from that arthritis. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go stomping out of the church. I want you to go stomping out of the church. I want you to go stomping out of the church. He said, there she goes. She's stomping on arthritis. He said, there he goes. He's stomping on arthritis. He said, I want you to go stomping out of the church. He said, Jesus Christ has made you well. Just a few minutes before that, they couldn't raise their hand. Just a few minutes before that, they could barely get around. But when the vision of victory over the disease and sickness become materialized, it changed that from ruling and reigning over them to them ruling and reigning over it. But I got to thinking about something. I got to thinking about something. I got to thinking, Brother Ryan, our God heals natural arthritis, but he also heals spiritual arthritis. I said, our God also heals spiritual arthritis. You say spiritual arthritis? Oh yeah. Amen. Some people got arthritis in their hands. They can't shake hands with certain people. They got arthritis in their shoulders. They can't wave their hands no more. Some of them got arthritis in their jaw bones and they can't say amen no more. And they can't say the promises of the word. Oh, well, glory to God. I'm preaching now. Ain't I? Some of them got arthritis in their feet and they can't dance no more. They can't put their foot on the head of that devil. Amen. But Jesus Christ is here tonight and he has healed spiritual arthritis. It's time to move your arm. It's time to confess with your voice. It's time to stomp that devil. Stomp on that devil. Stomp on that devil. You're not going to put him out by stomping, but you're going to put him on the run when you start stomping. Brother Andrew, I just... I just don't know. 
I just don't know. Okay? Well, I know. I know what a prophet said about you. And I know the mind battles you have. And I know the, the troubles and the burdens and the heaviness you carry. You know why? Because it's the pressure of a vision. Are you hearing me? Brother Bram said, George, he said, Brother uh, William Upshaw, he said, for years, he said, people tried to move him into a well condition. He said, but there was an appointed time that the vision would be fulfilled. You say, preacher, what can I do to help God fulfill the vision? Nothing. The only thing that you can do is worship God and praise God and bless his name and give him glory and give him honor and give him praise and bless his name and worship him and bless his name and rejoice in his promise and remind God of his word. You didn't say it. He said it. You didn't make it. He said it. Come on, church. There ain't nothing you can do here tonight. He meant to fulfill that vision. Brother Branham said, when I go in a room and he said, something's out of place. He said, in the vision, a hat was a certain place. He said, there's nothing I can do to move the hat into position. He said, to speed up the vision. He said, the only thing I can do is sit there under complete surrender to the vision that I saw and wait on Jesus Christ to come in the room and move up on some and they'll go into action and move the vision into the place it needs to be. What are you saying, Brother Andrew? I'm saying, amen, there's a vision that's been spoken over you and there's nothing you can do to fulfill it except stay in position by the word. Well, Brother Andrew... Andrew, I'm just a nobody. I'm trying to quit, I promise. I'm just a nobody. I'm just a little old insignificant nobody in the youth group here of this church. I'm, Brother Andrew, I'm just a little significant part of the body. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows me. I don't have much to add to the body. I'm not nothing. Brother Andrew, I'll tell you what I am. I'm just the skin on the bottom of the foot, on the corner of the little toe, at the crease between the toe and the foot. That's what I am. Okay, well, if you let a man interpret the way you look at that, you're a nobody. You're not very much. But if you let a vindicated prophet interpret that, he says you may be the skin on the bottom of the foot, but you're still a part of the body. And every devil is underneath the skin on the bottom of the foot, on the corner of the little toe, at the crease between the toe and the foot. You can't lose with this message. You're in a power. You're in an authority. You're in a place of victorious power. You're in a place of victorious authority. Quit letting that devil run you around like a little old insignificant nobody. Stand up and put your foot on the head of that devil. You're a part of the vision. Now the Holy Spirit is here. He knows whether you believe it or not. Don't you just come guessing. You take that guess. And you take that hope. And, oh God. I have to buy you all another box of Kleenex. You take that guess. You take that hope. You take that imaginary. You take that unbelief. You take that unreasonable thought. And you lay it down on the floor. And you put your foot on it. You put your foot on it. 
and I challenge you tonight. Put your foot on that unreasonable thought. Put your foot on that disc. Put your foot on that imaginary something. Put your foot on that demon of skepticism. Some of you may have to get out in the aisle to do it, but you can do it. Put your foot on it. Right there in your pew. Stomp on that devil. Right there in your home. Put your foot on that unreasonable thought. Put your foot on it. Brother Andrew, it's control me. It will control you no more forever. That unreasonable thought, God don't love me, put your foot on it. That unreasonable thought, I'll not be a part of this bride, put your foot on it. That unreasonable thought, I'll never overcome, stomp it under your foot. You're in position by the vision. That feels good. That feels real good. Some of y'all ought to try it. It feels real good. I said it feels real good. It feels real good to stomp on that old devil's head. He's walked all over you. Why don't you walk all over him? You've seen the suffering. Now see the glory. Devils are on the move in here tonight. But Bram said his heart is melting within him. Do you see yourself as a part of this vision tonight? Can you, can you read spoken words as the original seed? Can you read the countdown? Can you listen to the masterpiece? Can you comb through seed is not air with the shuck? Can you turn the pages of the seventh seal? Can you get in the calm and the cool of your room and hear the future home? Can you wake up in the morning and turn on the rapture? And then when you finish it, go listen to things that are to be and say, man, I see myself there. God recorded a vision of you. And in the vision, you are not under the devil. You are over the devil. Listen, I I say this to you tonight from the depths of my heart. Take that unreasonable thought. Take that guess. Take that imaginary something. Take that, well, I don't think I'll ever be a part of this. Young people, I know what I'm talking about tonight. Take that, that, well, I'll just always be just this. And put that thing under your foot. Stomp on it. Stomp on it. Stomp on it. It's an unreasonable thought. Well, Brother Andrew, it's the way things will always be. Nobody loves me. Stomp on that thought. You love him tonight. He's here. You say, Brother Andrew, how can you declare he's here? Not because I see a light. Not because I see an angel. Because I've preached the message of the hour. And the message of the hour tonight has reminded you of the vision that's been spoken of you before you was ever even born. You love him tonight. Amen. Won't you bow your hearts with us? Just play something softly here tonight. 
Y'all forgive me for going a little bit long this evening. But there's a vision. There's a vision that's been spoken over this bride. It's been recorded. Now, I say it to you like this. Brother Bram said there was a woman and two women coming to prayer line one night. He said when they come in the prayer line, he said one had a gorder, I think, on her throat and her, her voice, on her neck. He said then one had a stomach condition. He said, but the angel of the Lord, he said, come through the building to, that night. And he said, as they passed the prayer line, he said, I looked at him and I said, you're well, you're well, go on your way rejoicing. Brother Bram said the gorder was still on the throat. The sour stomach was still there, couldn't take food. He said all those things were still there. But the word, the word had been spoken. They had been pronounced well, not by the feeling, not by an emotion, not by a sensation, not by the right song and the right keys on the music. But they had been pronounced well by the word. Then they went home, and the prophet of God said, I think maybe a few days or a few weeks went by. It might have even been a month. I can't remember right now. He said, but one morning, the woman woke up praising God for her healing. He said she went into the kitchen, made breakfast for her family. When they left for school and work, without even thinking, she was focusing on the unseen. He said she reached over and finished off the glass of orange juice, the acid test. He said, then she said, I'll give it the real test. She went over and made her a cup of coffee and made her a big old breakfast. He said, now, she ate all that. A few minutes later, she realized she kept it down. He said, she started screaming and rejoicing and praising God. He said, she took off running up to her neighbor's house. He said, when she ran in her neighbor's house, he said, her neighbor was in there and she was screaming. She was hollering. She was screaming. But Bram said, she ran in there. She said, what's wrong? She said, it's gone. The woman said, what's gone? She said, what are you doing in here? She said, I come to tell you that my stomach condition is healed. She said, well, what are you screaming about? She said, I was just making the bed and all of a sudden the gorder on my neck fell off. She said, I'm shaking the sheets trying to find it. When it fell off, it was gone. This enemy that you see, this enemy that's antagonizing you, this enemy that's tormenting you, if you catch a revelation of the vision, it's over. I pronounce to you tonight, young people, that demon, that taskmaster you see today, you'll see no more forever. Listen, you may fight with him tonight. You may fight with him in the morning, but the word has been spoken over your life. Brother said sometimes the angels get busy. He said, but don't give up. He'll get to you. He said, don't give up. He'll get to you. Stomp on that devil tonight. Without one feeling, stomp on that devil. Without one sensation, just put your foot on that devil's head. That unreasonable fault that you've lived with for years, that I'm going to leave the message. Put your foot on the head of that unreasonable fault. That unreasonable fault that has plagued you because your parents' marriage failed, your grandparents' marriage failed, that unreasonable fault says your marriage is going to fail. Put your foot on that thing tonight. Put your foot on that skepticism about what a prophet is called. Put your foot on that guess. Put your foot on that question. Put your foot on that critic. 
Critical spirit. Put your foot on it tonight, church. Stomp that thing. Go walking out of this building tonight praising God. Walk in your cabin tonight and stomp around for a little bit. When you get up in the morning, stomp on that devil's head. When you go eat your snack tonight, you say, Brother Andrew, I don't feel like stomping. Amen. You got a right to stomp by the vision. Almighty God, I commit this congregation of young people into your hands. Lord, you have given me the privilege tonight to stand before the most powerful group of young people in this entire, Lord, what I believe in the entire world. Lord, I'm not just singling out one church. I'm singling out the body of Jesus Christ. Wherever this mystical body is of young people is the most powerful young people there is on the face of the earth. And Lord, you have given me the grace to stand before them tonight and to rehearse to them things that's been recorded in the vision. Now, Lord, it must materialize. It must materialize. If there be one here tonight, if that unreasonable thought is plaguing their mind, may they take it. As your prophet said, prophetic instructions, throw it on the floor and stomp on it with their foot. That complex tonight, when they take it and throw it on the floor, stomp on it tonight. That suicidal spirit, that spirit of depression, when they take it by your word and throw it on the floor tonight. May they stomp on that thing, Lord. Lord, they're not stomping to move it out. They're stomping because your word has moved it out of their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, give grace and mercy. Receive our praise tonight, Lord Jesus. Receive our praise tonight. Receive our praise tonight. Brother, lead us in a song. Hallelujah. They say this mountain can Oh, be yes. Moved. That's what they say. They say these chains will never break.
But there's another part to that. It says, and it is done. Amen. It's not just left there, but it's a finished work. Amen. His word doesn't leave it hanging. It's a finished work. Hallelujah. He said that at Calvary. He said, it is finished. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I want to sing tonight. Our God is tremendous. His strength never faileth. Can you bring those song up for me, please? When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. And He hears me. And He helps me. We know those words. We're going to sing it now tonight. Amen. Right. Won't forget His own. My companion. My best friend. The only true God. There's no one greater. Oh, wonderful Savior. The Lion of Judah has prevailed and spoken tonight. Amen. Amen. This service ain't over. Not by a long shot. The devil just got told and we just got started telling him that he's under our feet. Amen. He's right there somewhere under Brother Andrew's feet up here and on your feet. So we're going to tell him right now, I'm in need tonight. So I'm calling on the Lord. And he's hearing me. Amen. Oh, when I'm in need, I call on the Lord.
before. Somebody is shy about defeat. Hey, did you win it? Oh, no, I didn't win it. Oh, did you win it? Oh, you bet I did. My God won. Our God won. Glory. Hallelujah. That's why I would say victory is mine. Amen. I know what key it's in. Well, when I woke this morning, I didn't have no doubt. I knew that the Lord would bring me out. Well, now I got down on me.
I love him. I love him. That's all I came to do tonight, saints. I came to worship. I came to praise him. That's what I came here for. I didn't come here for Pictionary. I didn't come here for Press the Mark. I came here to worship. I came here for deliverance. I came here for victory. Amen. Hallelujah. And a stranger. It's a win the saints. Because I'm marching. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger.
fight the power of God. That's what's it. So he told you to stomp and go remove the devil. And you went into arthritis and how he stomped on the on the thing. But he said Webster's Dictionary. You ready for the definition of stomp? Spiritual stomping, okay? He said Webster stomp says to tread heavily and noisily dance with heavy stamping steps. Just change your march around the throne in glory, but right here, because glory is right here, right now. Did we not hear that tonight? Amen. You are glory, so we're not just gonna march like that in glory, but we're gonna march like that right here tonight. Amen. Let's sing verse three right now with some heavily, noisily dancing steps, heavy stamping. Amen. All right, here we go. Open we can. Oh, 
You get your, yourself home and suddenly you find yourself on your knees in front of your bedside. And it's like, whoa, that one's never done it before. Unexpected error. Short circuit. I, I haven't dealt with this one before on this one. What just happened? Well, I was at a camp and my bowl was cracked and it was emptying itself out. But my God came by my way and he mended it because he's a mender of the broken pieces. And that is short circuiting the devil's kingdom. Your turn. Your turn. It happened with Ruth, I'm sure, as she did the unexpected. And she was saying, well, I could go back to ease. She had a lot of hurt. She had a husband that died. She had a father-in-law that died. But uh uh-uh. She says, I'm going where you go. I'm going the rougher way. I'm going the narrow way. I'm going to go where you go. And where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. Amen? That's your, that's, you should be your confession. Be little Ruth as we walk out of here of this camp. You say, I don't know, wherever he leads me, I will follow. Did you not enjoy when Brother Andrew said, Abraham's faith pulled together the vision and reality here? Was that beautiful? Amen. It puts you right there. Amen. And then I thought, Brother Brandon, when he said, and Brother Andrew referenced it yesterday, he said, Brother Bram says, I seen you there. I seen you there in vision. And we heard tonight, in vision, wrote down, must come to pass. Right? The little Finland boy, it had to come to pass. So if he's seen you there by vision, what must come to pass? Oh, exactly. Thank you, Ethan. You'll be there. Boy, doesn't that take all the worry out of it? He saw me there. Hey man, I tell you, the little Finnish boy didn't have a thought, nothing. He didn't know that a prophet even saw that. But he was coming up regardless. Whether he knew it or not, or whichever, the vision had to come to pass no matter what. Amen. You know what happened? He didn't go to it, but Congressman Upshaw, I had a quote in my one of my priests a little bit about Congressman Upshaw. And he said, when is that? But Brother Branham had a vision of it. And he said, when is, that gonna, when, when is it going to be? And Brother Branham said, right now. Can you imagine? Right now. Guess what Congressman Upshaw did? He got up out of his wheelchair right then. Amen? Maybe it's your right now moment. When the, bar, the prison bars are broken. Amen? It is right now for you, for the vision that God had for you to be free from this world of sin. Because for a long time I traveled. But today, today is your moment where the vision comes to pass and you are free. And free indeed. And guess what Congressman Upshaw did? He praised and he worshiped with all of his heart. For a long time I traveled down a long lonely road.
her faith, her suffering, and to turn into her glory. this to light up. I'm waiting for it to light up. It's going to go ding, 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 ding. Why? Because I'm waiting for Brother Yemi to be like, I can see. Glory to God. I can see clear now. The darkness is fading. I'm waiting for my phone to light up. Guess what just happened? Ella Joy just started racing around, praising God, shouting for joy. Why? Because the lame have been mended. That's what he came heal the lame, to bring blind sight to the blind, amen that's what I put in front of me oh my, you put what what God has for you in front of you when you walk into it that's why I sing that song, that verse again like a blind man close the service right now, you're going to sit in your chair and you're going to sing for like another 30 minutes in your own chair. So I'll give you that opportunity, but maybe just after this one song. Brother Ryan is going to completely not like me. Do we know Do we know what a good enough sing on tape in the back? Family bells. Family bells. Family's like, I don't. So don't even look for me. Do you know I'm taking it back? Because it would be a solo. That's not good. Man, I just, okay, I'm going to sing it anyway. Because I'm just going to tell the devil. If it's just a one-man invasion, it's going to be me. Telling him, I'm taking it back. That's what Moses did. Let my people go. Brother Ram said one-man invasion. So guess what? If it's just me singing tonight, I know Brother Andrew knows it, so he's going to sing. So it's a two-man invasion. And you know what the Brother Branham said? If one man, even one or two, he said, could get on fire for God... 
I just read you this quote. If even one or two could go on fire for God, what did he say? He said it would be more than 40 revivals could do in a church. Amen? Amen. I said, oh God, put me on fire for your kingdom. Because then I could, then through me, we could raise this roof off more than 40 revivals were. So you, you take that into your hand, into your script bag, and say, that's me. I'm the one on fire for God. Someone do some quick math here. I don't know how many you are on here. Maybe 150 or something like that, 170 times 40. Anybody got a good mathematician in here? It's a big number. A lot of revivals. And guess what? You know what a lot of one revival does? Blows the roof off a building. So how many, what do you think this roof is going to do in this many revivals that could manifest out of here, huh? I know. That was a whole lot to take in a little bit there. Okay. This could be difficult, but you sing it with me because I'm taking it back. We sang this in May of our Jubilee, did we not? And we're still taking it back. We're still here, and we're still fighting this death. Amen. So it's current. Taking it back, everything that the devil stole from me. Taking it back, I'm taking it back, everything that the devil stole from me. Give me back my song, oh my days, oh my joy, and my peace. Yeah. 
had a wonderful time. I'm sweating. But you know what? That's what I, you can work hard. You can play hard. You can do a lot of things. But I worshiped hard. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, I love brownie time. Wow. It's from my worship. Amen. Don't don't work so hard, man. I sweated harder than I ever sweat before, and you're working. No, 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 no. I'd be back to say, you know what? I'm just going to give my all in my worship to him. Amen. Amen. Well, we can just linger if you will. Wish to linger. Uh, we'll let those go. Maybe they already have, for all I know. We'll just close in prayer. Thank the Lord for what he did tonight, doing, continually, tomorrow, who knows? Maybe we'll all be walking four feet off the ground. It's very possible. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is that we can serve you, Lord. Lord David, pray, Lord, give unto me, give me back the joy of my salvation. Lord, he was at a point there or a moment where he, he couldn't worship you or he couldn't, Lord, praise you as he did. He just, Lord, it's not that his salvation was gone, but he desired the joy of his salvation to come back to him, Lord, so that he could express himself. And we go through the Psalms and how David wrote so many that encourage us to this day. Lord, I'm so thankful that you returned unto him his joy, that he could continue to, to write the Psalms and continue to be an encouragement, Lord, to the rest of the brides throughout the ages. But Lord, tonight I pray, Lord, I want to thank you for returning joy of our salvation, Lord. Somebody here, Lord, who maybe, Lord, they were saved, but, Lord, they hadn't been able to express it for so long. But, Lord, you've come and you've healed their little broken bowl. Lord, they've been able to worship you and say, Oh, Lord, thank you for my joy. Thank you that I can give out to you and pour out to you, Lord, what you are worthy and do tonight. Lord, I give you thanksgiving for the word of God that went forth tonight, Lord. Lord, in suffering, though, there'll be glory, even though we might be going through the trial even now. But, Lord, looking ahead, getting our focus, Lord, off of the things of this earth and lifting up our head for our redemption draweth nigh. Heavenly Father, may that just, just continue in the thoughts and our hearts of your people. Lord, as they would go to their cabin tonight, Lord, the conversation wouldn't turn to the, the sports world or, or something of the, of the politics, Lord, or something about a war overseas, but may it continue, Lord, to just ponder and to speak about the things that they heard tonight. Lord, because I heard in the testimony this morning, Lord, that a little sister, Sister Joanne and Sister Karen, were speaking about you, Lord, and speaking about your presence, and Lord, how you draw near, and they were talking about you. And, Lord, you drew near at that moment, and you visited them, Lord, in a powerful, supernatural way. Lord, even tonight, Lord, as we would go to our cabins, and we would maybe leave the chapel, but your presence, Lord, would not leave. Because, Lord, we would be like Emmaus. We would go along the way, and we would be speaking about you. And, Lord, our hearts burn, and we'd go to our cabins. And maybe, Lord, just more, maybe your dove, Lord, your presence would so descend in a supernatural way that, Lord, even past this moment of a service, you would impact a little sister or a little brother, Lord, because an encounter of the supernatural, Lord, that unseen realm would become seen and tangible in a little cabin tonight. Lord, you're not finished. So we pray, Lord, continue to move amongst your people in Jesus Christ's name. 
We commit each one here to you, thanking you. And Lord, we'll go rejoicing. Lord, for indeed the devil's under our feet. And we'll go walking in it now in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. you. There's if you need to or feel to go, your snack is up in the vanities. Until then, between now and then, you do as you feel. But I'm going to sing as we as you go to your seats, as you shake hands with one another, we're going to sing, Jesus has a table spread. Jesus has a table spread. Where the 